You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Episode 17 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ken Stapon joined by Brendan McCarthy, as always, and an impromptu special guest, the co-host of Maple Leafs Game Night on TSN 1050, producer of Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050, and host of the Locked On Senators Podcast, our good friend and former classmate, Ross Levitan. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, appreciate it. I was going to say it's been a few uh, months since we've all talked, so it's great to be with you. Roscoe Mule. (laughs) hey kenny when you're going through that list of of things that i do like maple leafs game night it feels like forever ago since we're (laughs) back at the tsn studio covering hockey and man it can't come soon enough that first puck drop of 2021 oh man you know i'm ready to fire it up with you again at tsn 1050 and hopefully we can take over the raptors games as well and do a little double dipping maybe that'll be a a tampa bay raptors game night looking (laughs) forward seeing as the team is uh, now playing down south of the border and uh and apparently the COVID capital of the world, but God love the championship pedigree down there. Hey, maybe you boys will be able to uh, cover a few games in Tampa Bay when it's uh, kosher and appropriate to <laughs> we can cover, to cover the Tampa Bay Raptors, McDonald's, man. See what's going on. Keep our Tampa Bay Raptors safe, man. It is a snowy morning in Toronto. And so we were talking about this off air just before this. I'm always hesitant to talk about the winter in Ontario because I have a lot of family that lives out west in Winnipeg. And obviously, it's been well documented how cold and how snowy it can get out there. But it seems like winter is finally settling into the GTA here in uh, late November. Yeah, when I see that first snowfall, though, I just think of ODR season right around the corner. I'm, I'm nervous in anticipation of whether it's going to happen this year or not with the way the world is. But outdoor physical activity great for mental health let's hope that the outdoor ranks are opening soon how many times did you go last year because i know you keep track i probably hit it up about 10 or 15 times but i feel like you must have been in the the 50s i'm closer to 50 i would say mid 30s is a good estimate uh ever since i got the car as well it's been a lot easier saves you a half hour walk on either end of it and uh, you can save the energy for the ice but yeah i love floating around on the outdoor rink it's great exercise like i mentioned and a uh, ton of fun as well it's crazy in toronto too like it, i'm from ottawa and there it's just the neighborhood dad going out to water the rink at night but here they've got the zambonis <laughs> they've got the cooling systems underneath it's really an unbelievable uh project that the city of toronto took on and honestly one of my favorite reasons to live in here that's why they call it the hockey mecca 
yeah. of the world. So a little bit of an anniversary happened yesterday. It was the one-year anniversary of Sheldon Keefe taking over for your boy BMAC, Bike Mabcock, after what was a tenuous 2019-2020 campaign for the established head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Ross, I want to pose this question to you. What was your biggest takeaway from Sheldon's first season behind the bench? Well, I wish we could have seen the the complete body of work. Unfortunately, it was cut short. But one thing, and man, the Leafs being under 500 with the roster, the payroll, that was just simply unacceptable. I think it was 9-11-3, I want to say, when Babcock was let go. On the middle of a long road trip, too, that's what I really remember from the day, is that you thought maybe they'd at least give them till they got back to Toronto. But once you heard Shanahan was firing up the private jet going down to Arizona the way things were, you knew something was <laughs> happening. As for the changes, I mean, we saw pretty evidently in Tyson Berry's game, not that it could have gotten much worse under what it was with Babcock, but you just saw, and I think that was really the epitome of what the, the team felt. And that was just a weight off their shoulders. They didn't feel like they were going to get scorned every mistake. And instead of playing scared, they were playing with, a positive energy and I know that it didn't ultimately end well but at the same time you did see a lot of improvements in the style of play a little more aggressive on the four check and Babcock's famous throwing out the fourth line after a goal four that thing was was axed as quick as possible and you got to see your top players who are being paid the most play the most minutes how often was Matthews under 20 minutes with Babcock he's always around 18 19 with with Sheldon Keefe 22 23 minutes you lean on your star players and as a coach i think that's probably the safest way to go right then all the pressures on the gm to pay the right guys if you recall too that vegas game i think it was nick patan had that backhand chance and flurry with arguably the <laughs> save of the year so you got that and then the next day your coach gets fired it was just all crumbling down yeah he uh, ended but- babcock's tenure just with that one save yeah just that was ridiculous i think that's probably the save of the year no unless uh who would else? Who else would be in the mix? Um, Probably some one of Vasilevsky's. That guy's so athletic. Like I remember I a couple thinking, of years ago, he caught behind his back, and that's the one I was doing, thinking. He's always doing the scorpion play. And that's that, that was insane. Cup champ for a reason. Yeah, yeah, he's unreal. I think when you look at Mike Babcock's career as well in Toronto, this is one of the most sought-after head coaches before he came to the Leafs, and he was really important in establishing a winning culture again for an organization that really hadn't had that for subsequent seasons prior to his arrival. Well, yeah. And, you know, we were, we were talking about this last week. I mean, he effectively pulled this franchise out of the gutter. And as you alluded to off the, off the top, Ross, we haven't seen a full season under Keefe yet. And, you know, are we going to get that this year? Most likely if, if Jan one is a, is a target start date, but again, as much as the blame can be put on Babcock for not, you know, allowing his players to to play extended minutes or play in crunch time like the last two minutes of a game seven, Kenny, um, it's it's certainly going to be interesting to see how how Keefe and a new uh, couple of bench bosses to complement Keefe uh, is going to thrive in a full season. One thing I will say about one of those new bench bosses, Paul McLean. Obviously, I know him well from his yeah. time as as the head coach in Ottawa. He does the exact same thing when he was head coach. I know he doesn't have the same kind of rope, and he is a really good coach, a great guy by all accounts, too. Your classic East Coaster from Anna Ganesh, but he also would always roll out the fourth line after a goal four. So he's got some of that old school. Funny enough, you mentioned he's under Keith. As I'm saying that, I remember when Ottawa hired him, he was an assistant with Detroit, 
under Mike Babcock. So he also has that connection as well. And the former Jack Adams award winner with Ottawa. I forget which year. The, it was, pe- the pesky sends 2012. Yeah. 2012, uh, 13 lockout year. Uh, would have been the year before they had year a before? surprise birth to the playoffs and went six games against the Rangers. Right. And then 13, they lost to the Habs, right? No, they beat the Habs they, in five games, and then Pittsburgh mopped the floor with them in, the, uh, in five as well. Right, the lockout year. Roscoe, I want to ask you about the All-Canadian division because you've been following awesome. the Senators very closely. Yeah, so it's going to be unreal as a fan to watch all these teams, especially the teams out west that we don't get to see very often. But I feel like for teams outside of Ottawa who's in a substantial rebuild and aren't really expecting to compete this season – this is going to be a really difficult time for teams like the Maple Leafs and teams like the Oilers for really all the other six Canadian teams as the competition is going to be really steep and there aren't going to be really any of those cupcake cupcake games coming down the pipe for these guys. Yeah, Ottawa's not going to be a walkover team like they were the past two seasons either, although they are the clear number seven in the Canadian division. As for the top end of it, you could tell me five. I don't know if Vancouver and Montreal are quite there but out of the other four you could tell me any combination of how the standings would shake out and i'd believe you like these are teams that are all ready to compete and i kind of scoff at montreal but they've got the best goalie in the league still he can win any game on any night and if he gets hot montreal could finish first so i think it's going to be outstanding hockey i would imagine it's either going to be in a bubble situation ish like come in and come out a bit of a hybrid or we're going to get to see legit playoff series kind of like baseball where you play the same team a few times and that's going to be awesome for the animosity on games three and four when you have that background like oh he he slashed our star player two games ago i took a number don't worry so i think it's great for the game and i think it's great for for a situation that's not ideal i think they're making the best of it i think i read a tweet and i didn't go back and do my research i was just going through twitter and i believe it was luke fox saying the leafs went eight, three, and four against uh, the rest of Canada. Did you see that, Kenny? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did see the tweets. You know, I had to bring and, that up. And I think it might be, you know, it's it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek almost yeah. bringing that up because, like Ross said, I mean, when you look at Calgary, when you look at Edmonton with those two players that they have, when you look at Vancouver, like obviously a lot of transition going on there. But there are a number of talented teams. And even when you look at Montreal, I love the – bringing in of Jake Allen because it's going to take the stress off of Carey Price. And we saw what he's capable of after a little bit of a rest through the period and the delay of the schedule, he was able to knock off the Penguins fairly easily. And it was a lot of it fell onto his shoulders. I would expect a big season from Price if they can keep his starts around the 55 mark, which seems to be that Vesna caliber mark. A lot of the goalies that are in the conversation seem to be in that 55 game range. I would expect a massive season out of the Canadiens goaltender. You don't see Van as a top tier in that division, Ross? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, Braden Holtby, he's had great years in the past, but I think they lost a lot more than they gained this offseason. They're young studs. I'm completely on board with Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, but I just don't know if they have enough depth. They're losing to Foley. They've lost Chris Tanev. They've lost more guys on the back end as well. I just don't know if they're, they're right there, but they could surprise me as well. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, stroke them off just yet, especially with uh, Thatcher Demko uh, <laughs> coming up in uh, in the system as well. Like we saw what he could do in the playoffs. He was the only reason why they even got close with Vegas once Markstrom went down. 
So that's going to be interesting. But then Markstrom moving to Calgary. Now they've got a legit number one goalie. There's, there's going to be a ton of competition. I think the seven goalies in Canada is where they really have the advantage. Even Ottawa getting Matt Murray as the number seven team yeah. in that. Like you, you look up and down, and I don't know outside of Edmonton, but they make up for it in having the two best players in Canada. So it's going to be awesome. I'm super happy. It's going to be a lot more competitive than I think the regular division alignment. So I just can't wait, man. Let's get this show on the road. Like, especially for me dealing with Ottawa even more, they haven't played in 260 days. Like, let's go. Yeah. Unreal. Just chomping at the bit. Ross, uh, we haven't talked since the Maple Leafs made their off season acquisitions, Mm -hmm. Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons, a couple other depth players. They added a lot of guys on the blue line. What was your general takeaway from the off season moves that the Maple Leafs made? And do you anticipate that this is going to, either help them or hinder them in the regular season and the postseason. In the postseason, it's going to definitely help them being able to swap in and out of the lineup. Like I'm expecting Nick Robertson, by the way, to make the team out of camp. I think that he's that good. So then you're in a situation where maybe it's one of Spets or Thornton in the lineup on any given night. And in a condensed schedule, how good is that? You need a, a night off, maybe get the legs a little fresh again, and you can bad. swap in in another legend. And just having that, enthusiasm around the rink everyone talks about how Spets is going to be a gm one day well joe thornton just like oozes passion this guy's playing the swiss league for free right now just because he loves the game <laughs> that much so there is that but when you're looking at on ice contributions the subtraction of cody cc in itself is an addition and then you replace him with tj brody that's the biggest offseason addition for the leafs there he's going to help every aspect of their game the transition game the defensive zone on the PK, but he can also put up points and can facilitate on offense. And he's played with Mark Giordano for the past few seasons. So he knows how to play with really good players who like to have the puck on his stick. So I see him as the perfect compliment to Morgan Riley. I think that's their number one pickup and sure. They added some depth as well. Jimmy VC is a guy who could be a boomer bus. Like if he puts up 20 goals, wouldn't be that surprised. If he puts up five, I won't be surprised, but Wayne Simmons, we'll see how much he has left in the tank. We know him as the player with Philly where this guy was a a warrior. You wanted him on your team a few years ago, but now he's bounced around a bit, right? New Jersey, Buffalo, what's the common denominator? Why can't he stick with another team, even New Jersey? He's been a a little bit of a roller coaster right now. So we'll see. I know he's happy to be home, so we'll see if that can energize him to really get back to that 30-goal, like, power forward game that he's shown he has in him. Well, that's the, that's the beauty of, of Wayne Simmons is there were times in Philly in you know, early 2010s when he was playing on a line with Drew and playing and Voracek, top power yeah, play top. units, Voracek. You know, there could be a case and scenario where Keith opts to put maybe Simmons and Matthews together as a pair to, to spice things up. But, boys, we got uh, one, one Freddie locked up in Toronto, but uh, Frederick Anderson took a lot of heat after that series uh, against Columbus Ross. But now with a full year under... Jack Campbell as a legit backup. You're a goalie guy. Do you think this is a, a different season upcoming for for Anderson? Oh, I hope so, man, for his sake. Like this is a contract year for him as well. He's making five million right yeah. now. And if he were to re-sign right now, what do you guys think? Like, would he sign for the same? I don't think he's due for a raise. No, I think the playoff success or lack of success would probably be a better way to state it, has indicated that the market value for him is probably around 5 million. And I'm not certain that the Maple Leafs would be comfortable giving him really a bump higher than that, especially with their cap situation, the cap staying flat. Uh, He might be able to find a little bit of a pay raise elsewhere, but at the end of the day, you're only as good as 
being able to win in the big games. And for Anderson, he simply hasn't been able to do that. And he's let in some cupcake goals in most notably in those two game sevens against the Boston Bruins that you'd like to have back. And that's just going to follow you around until you're able to get over the hump for better or for worse. I think Anderson has been a huge part of the Maple Leaf success in the regular season. And they don't make the playoffs without the way he's been able to play. But my goodness, he needs to get a big win and a playoff series win to get this monkey off his back. Wow. Like if I played that clip, what you just said the last 45 seconds and told you that I was talking about Patrick Laleem in the early 2000s, <laughs> like we're not talking about different goalies at all. Like yeah. unbelievable in the I regular season. Laleem. But when you think of Laleem, what do you think of? Especially in Toronto, you think of those game sevens where he just let in absolute garbage Go goals. Deck. I was and- petrified of Patrick Laleem in those game sevens because you see how well he played during the regular season. You're like, even in some playoff games, yeah. this guy, there was a series against Philadelphia in 2003, where he had three shutouts in four games. Like this guy still played in the playoffs, but it's those big games that you remember. And Freddie Anderson has a lot of those same tendencies. And yeah. it's kind of, it's a, it's a tough thing to shake because then you get in your own head about it. And then it's, it's as much mental as it is actually focusing on stopping the puck. So it is, uh, it is a make-or-break year, I'd say, for Frederick Anderson if he wants to be a legit star NHL goal. You can be a starter, but there's another level, and that's the one I think he's having trouble to achieve. Maybe he should have bet on himself from the start and went undrafted. Maybe he would have Fred you know, Van Fleet style. 20 mil AAV. Instead of what? He went, <laughs> he went what, ninth round, Freddie yeah, Anderson? Or I think so. Yeah, man, they, they, he's still done a lot better than that draft position. But like I said, there, there's a starter and then there's a star. So uh, he needs to do something in those big games to really achieve that success. Also, big shout out to our boy, Fred Van Fleet. Happy to have him back in Toronto. He signed a four-year, I believe it was an $85 million ticket, which I think is a tremendous contract for both sides. Nice term, fair payments for the player. I think $20 million a year is probably around what he's worth in the market value. And I think ultimately he did want to come back to Toronto. It's just a nice transition from what we've been used to in the past where big name free agents simply don't want to stay, particularly in basketball where there's a lot of more attractive destinations. I, for one, am extremely happy to have Fred Van Fleet back in the red and black for a little while longer here. It's a little alarming though, man. Their front court could be depleted after oh, Baca. this weekend. Abaka is gone to LA Yikes. and Gasol is eyeing Golden State apparently. So, um, yikes. I'm happy to have Van Vliet back, but we got to touch up the front court, no doubt. Yeah, they're going to need to bolster in the middle for sure. All right, let's go to our favorite segment, the library bar. All right, Ross, your first time on the pod, so let me explain the rules. The library bar, one person who either is at the bar for a celebration or for other reasons, perhaps they're a little bit depressed and they just need a little drinky poo. Who you got this week? Well, I'll take Timmy Stutzla. Oh, your boy. Because we had a conversation with him on Friday. It'll be unlocked on Senators Monday and Tuesday. But also, how tough is it to go third overall? A, you're so far away. He's in Germany. You can't come and celebrate. Really cool documentary came out following around the 24 hours leading up to the draft. But what does he do two weeks later? 
breaks his hand. Toughest way to start the season. He's missed first two games for Mannheim. So I think he's having a drinky poo for, uh, you know, trying to get his health back, but it looks like he's going to be ready to go with the world juniors. And this is, uh, this is our version of Austin Matthews, right? You've tanked for so long, the highest pick in team history since 2000, taking Spezza, funny enough, current Maple Leaf. So super excited to, uh, to chat with him on the pod. And this kid's just awesome. So uh, I would love to be at the library bar crushing a few pints with Timmy Superstar. Did did the library bar segment not emanate from Ross? Because I remember we, we were just like talking about shooting the breeze about it. And then we were all like fascinated about the library bar. Like you've been a few times, right, Ross? A couple times. For, for a few dates. Great date spot. Yeah. It's a per- <laughs> perfect That's... like mix nuts and a cocktail on the way to dinner. Oh, yeah, it's great. With that. That's actually the... true. We were talking yeah. about how you like to wheel around to the Toronto uh, hotel bars and just try your <laughs> luck with uh, the suit jacket, you know, get all dressed up nice. And you've had a fair amount of success. Where are you <laughs> from? <laughs> Down the street? <laughs> Stones throw away from here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Fred Van Blee. Easy pick. Just cashed in, deserves Easy it. Easy pick. And uh, just going to be raking in the next four years. I think he made 19 mil since coming into the league all in, and now he's going to be, be making 20 mil per. So that's pretty outrageous. Good outrageous, though. Respect to Freddie. I'm going to go with Bill Belichick. We noted before – the podcast that's uh, my Patriots against your Texans today, BMAC at one o'clock. So that'll be something for us both to keep an eye on. This has really just been a tire fire of a season for the new England Patriots. I mean, four and five, the expectations with Cam Newton coming in that they were going to at least be competitive in that division. And to their credit, they have strung together a pair of wins, but this is just such a drop off from what the fan base has been used to over the last 20 years with Brady and Belichick there at the helm. They were pretty much a lock to win the AFC East. I believe they only lost it one year in the entirety of the two of them being there. It was the year that Brady went down with the ACL injury and they still finished at 11 and five under Matt Castles at the helm, but they were missed the playoffs that year, which go figure that if you figure 11 wins in the NFL is usually good enough to punch your ticket to the postseason at least, but Bill's having a couple of cocktails trying to figure it out and Hopefully he can do it this week against the Texans because that is another organization that's just been a complete disaster under an, uh, actually another former Patriots who got gassed earlier this year, Bill O'Brien, who just ran them into the ground. Well, at least you have four wins, Kenny. We have two wins against the same team. It's been a complete disaster. <laughs> when was the last time the Patriots didn't win the AFC East? Yeah, it was. I believe it was uh, 2011 when 2011? Brady went down. Yeah, when Brady went down with the ACL injury. It's like they've won it basically every year since Brady and Belichick have been there. It's just so weird to see Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and then the Jets. I don't know. The the Jets haven't won anything. The only thing that's normal in that division is the Jets being in the basement. 0-9. I got to tell you, I feel feel for Trevor Lawrence because this guy is going to get picked up if he does declare for the NFL draft in all likelihood. He's going to go to New York. And that is just a place that great careers go to die. The New York Jets. Oh, absolutely. Are you an NFL guy, Ross, or just on February 2nd? Not even on February <laughs> 2nd, man. I'm more there. Or whenever the Super Bowl is. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, uh, I don't, my brain's pretty small as is, and I'm just addicted <laughs> to hockey. I don't have room for all these numbers. No, you I'll be honest. A baseball guy when the, when the Jays had those couple of runs in the mid 2000s. But honestly, since then, it's, it's all NHL and, I mix in a, an NBA game here or there. I find those pretty entertaining as well. 
No, hey, I'll be honest, which, boys. When we sorry to interrupt, Kenny. When we yeah, first no started worries. at CSM in 2016, out of the major four, I probably BSed my way through NFL and baseball until we moved along. I wasn't really like I grew up watching hockey and a little bit of basketball, but that's it. Like football, I had no idea what was going on. And baseball, obviously, there's so much packaged on. You gotta anyway. So I'm with you, man. I only recently, over the last three, four years, got into it. Ross, before we get get you out of here, I, I just wanted to touch on something that you were very well schooled on, obviously, paying attention to the draft very closely, and you've always been a big fan of the World Junior Tournaments. This year's tournament is cut out to be one of the best ever, in large part because a lot of the players who normally would be at NHL camps aren't simply aren't playing right now. So they're getting permission from their NHL clubs to go and play. I believe Canada's roster at Canada's camp, they said they had 23 first round draft picks. So it's going to be tough to overcome that for the rest of the field. What do you expect coming into this upcoming tournament? Or are there any players that you're excited to see against some top competition? Yeah. Well, of course I'll, I'll start with Timmy Stutzla yeah, yeah. And coming and off the injury. This guy's a point per game last year as a 17-year-old. Still looking for his first goal, though. Five assists in five games last year. A notable omission from the German team, though, is Moritz Seider, the sixth overall pick with Detroit. He did not get permission. Eiserman spun some of his magic getting Seider an SHL loan this year, and the SHL doesn't do half-season loans, so why would they take him away from that for three weeks of training to play six games? So it's tough that Seider won't be there, but let's focus on the guys who will be. And Kirby Dak, you've already seen an unreal play at, at Team Canada scrimmage, like a back kick. He just looked like he was Pele out there uh, going on a two-on-one <laughs> cross ice, huge goal. So Kirby Dak, look, he's already played a full NHL season. Like this guy is about to go dominate that tournament in uh, in Europe and goalie-friendly show. And you mentioned uh, I love my goalies. Yaroslav Askarov, the 11th overall pick in the NHL draft this year, he was terrible at the world juniors last year, <laughs> but how many 17 year old goalies play at the world juniors? Like yeah. it was crazy that he even got that opportunity. He's a year older. His, his uh, KHL numbers right now are ridiculous. He's going to be a fun guy to watch. Um, there's, there's a few others, obviously the States, uh, Jake Sanderson, top defenseman in the draft, also a senator's prospect. He's going to be a, an interesting guy to keep an eye on. And my real question for the Canadian team is does Shane Wright make the team as a 16 year old? That would be incredible. That would 16. be 16. Exactly. Yeah. And he is uh, already making waves in the first few days of camp. Even the experience of being in Red Deer. I mean, they said that nobody's getting cut for the first two and a half weeks due to like they That's quarantined. To me. They, they've been there for so long. They're not just going to be like, oh, thanks for your 14 day quarantine. Thanks for the two ice sessions. You're, you're gone. And right now they have what makes up two full teams. So they can actually have a great scrimmage and that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. So they're in no rush to cut guys. Just being there for Shane Wright is huge. But if he can really extend himself, uh, BMAC mentioned all the first rounders. Well, this guy's going to be a top three pick, probably number one overall in two years. So he's a guy who I'm going to be really keeping a keen eye on. Yeah, he was granted exceptional status a couple of years ago. I think uh, McDavid and Tavares were the only other CHLers to, to be granted that um, award, which is crazy. If he makes it, it would be a great story. Another uh, guy who I covered a little bit last year, boys, was Trevor Zegras. He is uh, an exceptional talent as well. Kind of reminds me a bit of Matthews. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people have him as uh, the best player outside of the NHL right now. He is just crazy to watch. I remember he scored this one goal last year. Remember the the crazy finish, Leafs and Canes? It was like 8-6. Yep. Matthews had that spinorama. Oh, or no, Marner had the spinorama the pass. It's always with the Canes. 
always I know. The canes, it I know. always gets hectic when we play the Hurricanes. But Zegras scored that similar spinorama pass backhand. It was crazy to watch. But he's he's a guy I'm going to definitely center in on. And will Alexi Lafreniere be allowed to go? Because by all accounts, sounds like he's a pro already. Like this guy's he's going to put up six. So. Yeah, does he even want to go? No, at this probably point? not. <laughs> He's like, probably just chilling in Manhattan, waiting for things to get going. Yeah, yeah, you want to speak about who's at the library bar? Lafreniere is just set up shop. He, he's at employees only in uh, in Lower <laughs> East Village. He's oh yes, yeah, is, is, is that the spot to be? That's the spot. You, you the library bar equivalent. Uh, New York City. Yeah, that's that's a spot there. Employees only. All right, boys. It's a snowy snowy morning in Toronto. You guys got any plans for the afternoon? I know, uh, BMAC, you were saying it might be just be a uh, takeout day and park it on the couch for some football takeout couch football day nice you That's got a go-to delivery spot uh i've just been like destroying uber eats on my on my credit card but it's not good um there's a lot of good spots near because ross and i are pretty close to each other uh asian gourmet on dundas is phenomenal highly recommend and uh anything chinese are you guys chinese guys mm, not not always well, you're yeah, you're a it, chef. It, it depends. Yeah, like, but I can I've, cook I've whatever you want. Up, I've been racking up the Uber Eats <laughs> bills too. You're not alone. Everybody, I've been rolling with Asian cuisine. I've been rolling with Mama Fuku. When you get the thirty percent oh. off on Uber Eats, oh, that's big. Crispy chicken sando. You need that. And what you do is you buy that, and then you get a noodle dish. But you just eat the sandwich as a little teaser. Wait a couple hours, and then you basically get two, you basically get two meals in one. So I yeah. like I like mixing it up with uh, Mama Fuku. Uh, my girlfriend would probably say a little too much. I think I had it three times last week, but who's Ooh. counting? Uh, the bottom line is you got to support local restaurants because they've been supporting us for years, and uh, it's time to make sure Damn that they right. can get through this tough time. I think that's what they call a loyal customer on Uber. Yes. Eats. You get the little star on your account when you order. And then they uh, make sure that they're actually putting a little extra love into the preparation for the sandwich. So understandable why you keep going back there. For me, it's going to be a pizza day, I think. There's a great place in the East End called Blondie's. It's like a New York style, a little bit more thin crust, but gourmet toppings, gourmet ingredients. They have a mushroom pizza that they do like a white truffle sauce instead of the traditional pizza sauce, a little sauteed kale, truffle oil on top. Oh, man, is that's not That's not the kind of pizza that you can go full on, though. No, that's, that's like, like two slices. slices. Yeah, yeah, that's two slices and relax. And maybe a salad <laughs> help help the grease go down. But whenever you get the white sauce on the pizza, you know you're in one for, yeah. for the richness, which isn't always bad, but you got to watch your uh, your intake. You can't go crazy like you can with a pepperoni. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I'm absolutely going to park it just make after sure a couple slices of that bad boy make sure you rip a couple of garlic dips too <laughs> don't forget the garlic dip i'm gonna rip a couple something after i'm finished with that pie but <laughs> uh, they actually make the homemade ranch at that place i'll have to next time you come over we'll uh, order from there because i know you're a big dip with the pizza guy frosty thanks for joining us man yeah, hey yeah. pleasure pleasure guys always great to catch up with you and hopefully we can do it again soon when we're actually talking about that little frozen biscuit flying around the ice yeah, sooner rather than later. And thank you, everybody, to listening to this episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at McCarthy 95 at Ken Sapon Levy. What's your Twitter handle? At Ross Levitan. You can find me there. And at Send Central. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Timmy Stutzlock coming soon. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.